0: This is the Overtime Podcast Network.
1: Welcome to the 10th edition of the New York Jets 2019 offseason Roundtable. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at play like a jet one and i'm joined by somebody you know very well if you listen to turn on the jets digital and if you know anything about the draft because he's one of the most prominent voices out there he's the host of stick to the jets on turn on the jets digital but more importantly than that he works with matt miller at bleacher report on the stick to football podcast and he's one of the sharpest draft minds out there mr connor rogers connor what's going on man
0: hey scott thanks for having me man how are you
1: I'm doing great, man. I'm really glad that you were able to take a few minutes and share your thoughts on the Jets offseason. I'm looking forward to doing some draft stuff with you down the line, but we'll do some cursory thoughts on the draft towards the end of this. Before that, I want to get into the stuff that comes before the draft. We'll do free agency, but I want to get your thoughts on what has already happened with the Jets first. Let's start with Mike McCagnan because your primary area of expertise is the draft. And so... Mike McKagan a guy that you would have paid particular attention to because he's been the guy who's been doing the drafting for the Jets. He sticks around, doesn't look like there's a playoff mandate or anything either, so he should be around for at least another year. What do you think of that decision by Jets ownership?
0: It's interesting here. I mean, when it came down to it, I could have seen this go either way. I think what really helped him out was that he's actually rebounded in his more recent drafts after a horrendous start where... You know, you could really start with any of those second-round picks. Obviously, Devin Smith could never stay healthy. Christian Hackenberg, I think, was his biggest miss, where it was one of those unconventional picks, and it just it clearly could not have worked out any worse. And then you go into more recent drafts. I think Marcus May has to stay healthy, and that would be a really big win for Mike McKagan because Marcus May is a really good football player, obviously getting a Jamal Adams-type superstar and a Sam Darnold-level quarterback that looks like he can be a superstar. Chris Herndon really had a phenomenal rookie season. So I think the key thing here with McKagan was that gave the uh, Jets ownership, you know, confidence to keep them going forward is that they've rebounded and we and, you know for whatever reasons, I think they've made hires in the scouting department that they feel really good about uh, the from Brian Heimerdinger to VP of player personnel. It, it should not be overlooked. I think that's something where, you know, hopefully how they're managing the scouting department, they are seeing better returns now and, And just from a outsider's perspective, I guess we have all seen those returns. So I get it. I think when you tear things down every single year, it just doesn't work because you're not just rehiring, you know, you're not looking for a new general manager or a new head coach all the time. You're building out an entire, you know, infrastructure of a scouting department. And this is something that they feel comfortable with going forward, and obviously that was, that was why Mike McKagan was also a big part of this coaching search.
1: Speaking of the coaching search, Adam Gase has been a bit of a divisive character. Some people really on board with him being hired, some people very negative on it. Where do you fall on this?
0: I, I'm kind of right in the middle, because this is why it's difficult for me, Scott. And I'm trying to explain this to people. It, well before the hire, about a week before the hire was made, I said, Adam Gates would be a really tough sell for the fan base. That doesn't mean he's a bad hire. It just means that it's a tough sell. A guy coming from a Miami Dolphins team where there's no way around it. He, he he failed in Miami and for a lot of reasons, some on him, some not on him. And the fact that I this was a you know, there was some good coaches on their interview list. I I could see why people liked Matt Rule. I do understand though the concerns from the Jets with Matt Rule that he just could not build the offensive staff that was required to be working with Sam Darnold. And there's no way around it. Matt Rule might be a very good NFL coach in the future. I don't know if this was the time right now to go get a guy like that. My favorite candidate and me and somebody me and you both really liked and talked about was Todd Munkin mm-hmm. because he erases any concerns of Darnold. He would have gotten a lot out of Sam Darnold and I think he was a, you know, had more energy than people gave him credit for. I think he would have been really good in the locker room with team. He, he's beloved by his players. So, and somebody that had a head coaching experience at the college level. So he would have been a really interesting hire. That was my favorite option. But getting to the point here of Gase, just because they didn't make those hires doesn't necessarily mean Gase is a bad hire. I think that's foolish. I think the biggest thing with Gase is it's not his knowledge. This is a brilliant offensive mind that really couldn't run a lot of his playbook because of his quarterback situations at Miami. When I say situations, I mean, whether it was Ryan Tannehill, whether it was the end of Jay Cutler's career, Brock Osweiler. I mean, the list goes on of just really bad options. And it, when it comes down to it, that limits what you could do as an offensive mind. So I think Adam Gates is going to get a lot out of Sam Darnold. And that's why I won't hate on this hire because that's why he was made. And I understand that the most important thing for him is one learning from his mistakes in Miami, and that's whoever he did butt heads with, whether it was the owner, whether it was certain players, because I could tell you it it wasn't the entire locker room like a lot of people have claimed. That's just flat-out not true. There are a lot of people there that will go to bat still for Adam Gase. But the second thing being who is there with him as his staff, And I think we've seen good early returns from that. I think Greg Williams is a really good hire for the defense. He's going to go be, I guess you can call him the Wade Phillips, where – he will be the head coach of the defense. And that's important for these young players, whether it is Jamal Adams, Marcus Pay. We'll see what happens with Leonard Williams and Darren Lee if they're here for the long term plan or if they turn into trade pieces. I'm very interested in that whole storyline and whoever they draft in this upcoming draft and sign in free agency. You know, that's going to be the biggest thing. Adam Gates needs to get the most out of his staff, and a lot of those decisions.
1: I'm with you on Todd Monkin he was my number one choice I thought he would have been awesome and he checked all my boxes I think he doesn't get enough respect for what he did at Southern Miss either as you alluded to when he was a college head coach there he goes to the Browns I think he's going to do well there and he will probably be a head coach next year as a Jets fan in my head I keep thinking that he's going to go somewhere be the next great head coach and then Jets fans are going to be tortured by it for years but hopefully the decision works out well and like you said Adam Gase who is respected offensive mind for a reason Comes in here, takes Sam Darnold to the next Level, and the Jets end up looking smart For making the move, even though Some people push back against it But if he's going to look smart And if he's going to succeed, he's going to need better players because, as you said, he needs a quarterback to succeed. Sam Darnold looks like he can be that guy, but he needs guys around Darnold that can help Darnold elevate to that next level. So before we get to Le'Veon Bell, who's an obvious discussion point, let's talk about the rest of free agency. Who do you think the Jets should target?
0: Oh, God, we could be here all day, but just to give you some... <laughs> yeah, I mean, although I say that, and you look at it, this list could dwindle really quickly because of the franchise tag and internal extensions, but some of my favorite players in this free agency class, just based off of talent outside of Le'Veon Bell, really starts with Grady Jarrett. I think when you look at Grady Jarrett, he is a get uphill and attack interior pass rusher that can really disrupt a quarterback and an entire offense, and I think... The more players you have that can do that, especially a Jets team that really struggles to generate a consistent pass rush, you go get them. So Grady Jarrett would be a guy that I I would probably be all in on. And, of course, the edge pass rush class is fascinating because there are so many names that uh, we don't know who's going to be there, but let's just run through them. Jadavion Clowney, Demarcus Lawrence. Demarcus Lawrence, I would give Khalil Mack-type money. I'm 100% serious when I say that and that's why I think Dallas will never let him get out on the open market because I think they are smart enough there, especially somebody like Will McClay who runs their personnel. He knows what he has in Demarcus Lawrence. So uh, Frank Clark in Seattle, this is one of the more interesting ones to me because this guy is a top-ten pass rusher in the league. There is no way around it. Double-digit sacks this year. He's been absolutely fantastic for Seattle. But you go back to his time at Michigan, and he does have – you know, assault or domestic violence, uh, uh you know, a record there, or at least reported incidents and all of that. And we've seen in the Mike McCagney era, the Jets completely stay away or keep these players off their board entirely. So will there be any kind of change in philosophy there? It, it, it's fair to remain very skeptical of that. Now, I know people around Frank Clark, and, and they say he has made the most of this second chance after what was a horrible incident, and has really turned everything around. And You know, that's to be seen for the future, uh, to lay out, but he's a really interesting free agent name. There's no way around it. Uh, One guy in the division, Trey Flowers, I mean, just phenomenal. Whether it was the postseason or the regular season, New England should not let this guy go, but they let everybody get away, and they just keep winning Super Bowls. So Anthony Barr from the Vikings, he's somebody that, I would be interested in as a pass rusher. I don't think he's been great as an off-ball linebacker, but speaking of off-ball linebackers, I told you earlier, Darren Lee here, is he a trade piece or not? If he becomes one, I look at Quan Alexander, somebody everyone has completely forgotten about in Tampa Bay, they're kind of limited on what they could do in free agency because they have about $12 million, I think, in cap space. They could probably clear more, but they have to sign their left tackle in Donovan Smith long-term. They have some other contracts to figure out. Quan Alexander lost about the, a lot of his season to a, a significant injury, but he's rehabbing, and when he's at form, he's a really, really big difference maker at the linebacker position. And, and you know Jamal Adams wants all of his LSU guys in there. That's one reason I look at this one, and I'm like, I could see Jamal Adams really recruiting towards Quan Alexander and making this kind of the NFL's version of the SEC, specifically LSU. So, those are a lot of players on the, uh, the defensive side of the ball. Everybody loves Matt Paradis from the Broncos. The injury concerns are significant, but when he's on the field, he is a difference-making center, especially as a run blocker. And this Jets team needs to develop that ground attack. And Mitch Morris from Kansas City is another one that might hit. So when you look at these players, they're, they're all neat for the Jets. There's no way around it. The only one you could argue might not be is Grady Jarrett. But when you have this much cap space, You go spend it on the best talent available.
1: Flowers is an interesting name because, A, you'd be taking him away from a division rival, and, B, he's very well-rounded, so he's good at everything, even if he's not great at any one particular thing. And I think he would be a really nice fit next to Leonard Williams on this Greg Williams defense. Another guy that I think could be interesting, and you brought him up, was Anthony Barr, and you said exactly what I said on the Turn on the Jets podcast with Joe Caparoso recently. Anthony Barr, people don't remember this, but I'm sure you do, Connor, because you cover college and the draft and all that. He only spent one season at outside linebacker at UCLA. Before that, he was a running back. He's a great athlete. He's a track star. And he's a guy that's not been used as a pass rusher. We expected that that's how he would be used in the pros, but he hasn't really been deployed that way, so maybe Greg Williams sees him and says, I'm going to remake this guy, he's only 26 years old, he's got this elite athleticism, and I'm going to turn him into that pass rusher that people thought he could be coming out of UCLA.
0: Yeah, and I think one thing to note there is, too, when you look at Barr, he's playing in a defense that has Emerson Griffin and Daniil Hunter, so I know Griffin was off the field a little bit this year, but when it comes down to it, they had guys that they felt were premier pass rush players, and they felt they could utilize Barr in a different way because, like you said, Scott, the type of athlete he is. So maybe the Jets view him differently or the free agent market views him differently and they give him a chance to get back to being a pass rush, pin your ears back and go kind of guy. And and then, of course, and another thing we could talk about all day I'm fascinated by is the cuts market. I know everybody looks at the free agency market and goes, this is a terrible, terrible market, especially after franchise tags. But maybe some veteran names do get on the market that could be, you know, patches, I like to say, when it comes down to filling holes, guys that are at the end of their careers, but might be able to come in and help out for a year or two.
1: What do you think about the draft? Because there's been a lot of debate, and I heard you talk about this with Joe Caparoso fairly recently, where you said you really like Clinton Farrell as a possible pick at number three if the Jets stay there. I'm going to defer to your knowledge on this because this is what you do all year round, and I'm just somebody who watches these games. And I've talked to people, I've kind of gotten a consensus, and I've relied on what I've seen myself but it seems to me that the two elite players in this draft are Bosa and Quinn and Williams. And so if both of them are off the board, the Jets are going to be picking between a bunch of guys between five and 10 of them that all seem to be graded out around the same. Do you think that that's a fair assessment? And if Quinn and Williams and Bosa are off the board, would you go with Farrell if they can't trade down?
0: Man, it makes a really tough situation. Now, what you said is if that's how the board falls. I think you're in, elite trade-down territory because somebody's got to come up and get Dwayne Haskins unless people are absolutely crazy and want to come up and get Drew Lock instead. And we haven't even talked about Kyler Murray potentially being a huge part of how this draft board falls. So, But let's just go back to what you said, and let's pretend Nick Bosa and Quinn and Williams are gone, one and two, however they fall, and the Jets somehow can't trade down, which I think should be priority number one no matter what. It becomes fascinating because every single mock draft you read will have Josh Allen from Kentucky to the Jets. And I understand it. There's a lot to like. He's a really impressive athlete. He moves well in space. I've even seen him cover very well. He gets off the snap. He he can turn the corner at times and really work that outside speed rush. Now, I don't really think he has a pass rush plan right now. This is somebody that did play throughout his senior year of college ball. So he's had time to really – refine that part of his game. I think his hands are just okay. I'm not really over, overly impressed with his the ability to gain leverage and get inside or you know, always get off blocks. I think that also shows up against the outside run, his ability to contain. Now, this is not me just absolutely piling on Josh Allen, who more than likely will be a top 15, top 20 prospect on my board. I just think three has become an assumption of him when it shouldn't. And I look at someone like Cleveland Barrow, who would absolutely drive in a 4-3, He has a championship pedigree. He's won two titles at Clemson now as a three year starter. Somebody that's been productive every year. Is he going to be this 12 to 15 sack guy in the NFL? Absolutely not. That's not who he is. But is he going to shut down the run and probably be an 8 to 10 sack guy and generate pressures and absolutely work with, you know, his hands to drive offensive tackles back? I've seen him swim, rip, whatever. He's made, he has a lot of different moves in his arsenal. And he's still an underclassman. It's absolutely insane when you think about that. So I look at Farrell, and I think it's one of those things where I love the player's attitude and I love the floor. And I, th- I will be the first to admit Josh Allen has the bigger spectrum. He has the higher ceiling, but he also has the lower floor. When you look at Cleveland Farrell, his floor is pretty high, where you're getting a pretty productive player, a pretty effective player. And it's one of those scenarios where if you go get one of those guys I talked about, in free agency, and Farrell is your number two, that's a really really good defensive line that can get after it but getting away from there i know there's other names that people want to talk about jonah williams from alabama another guy that i think is a pretty safe pick because if he fails at tackle like people are assuming he might at the next level i think he actually be a pretty solid tackle he'll be a really really good interior player and then you know there's just so many names that are thrown into this spot now whether i've seen greedy williams and Devin white mentioned i think that's a little early for them Um Although I do love Detman White, Jawan Taylor from Florida is a tackle, but he's strictly a right tackle. He, he cannot be in play at three, so it, it's such an interesting spot for the Jets because you're sitting there and you're going, God, they have to get Adam this pick, and if they simply cannot, I, I would have to sit there. I could even make a, an argument for Ed Oliver, and I know people are just disgusted at the talk of interior defensive line again in this draft, but Oliver is just a totally different guy. You talk, we talked about Grady Jarrett earlier in this, an undersized. Get upfield, you know, upfield kind of guy and you see the difference maker Aaron Donald is another undersized get upfield kind of guy and one of the greatest defensive players of all time. Ed Oliver has the athleticism and the raw ability to turn into that kind of impact player. Not necessarily Donald, but A really, really good one at the next level.
3: Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hoopin' with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now three hundred and fifty-seven of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm gonna give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hoopin' with hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher Tune in or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Connor, there's obviously been a lot of mixed reports over the last couple of days about whether or not the Jets are going to be playing a base 4-3 or a base 3-4. I think if the Jets use a base 4-3, it's going to make it very difficult to justify drafting Allen at number three.
0: I think there'll be multiple, just to be clear. I really do think this will be a multiple defense. I think it's one of those things where Greg Williams just wants guys that are ready to play football. He wants guys that are dogs, alphas, come in, play. I'll make it work. But I think you're. if they want to do the base 4-3, and then Josh Allen plays, what, he's going to play linebacker, which he's done before. But it just creates a very difficult scenario in this spot.
1: Yeah, no question about it. And I think that that's why, you know, along the lines of what you said with Greg Williams and trying to get the best players and just figure out the best ways to use him, I think Quinn and Williams would be a very interesting pick at number three if they can't get an attractive trade down offer and if he's still on the board. Assuming Bosa goes number one and Quinn Williams is still on the board at number three. I know a lot of people hate the idea of drafting an interior defensive lineman. Like you said, Joe Caparoso has gone on and on about that. I don't agree. I just think that Quinn and Williams is too good to not take him. And just because the Jets in the past have drafted a lot of interior defensive linemen doesn't mean anything. If they stick with a 3-4, I think he can anchor the line, and if they switch to a 4-3, you need that extra defensive lineman, and I think he can really help Leonard Williams blossom. So for me, Quentin Williams is too good not to take him there unless you get a solid or better offer to trade down. Am I crazy?
0: I don't think you're crazy, and I think a lot of people will agree with you. I I just have the problem, as somebody that is a draft evaluator, I I have Ed Oliver higher than Quentin Williams, and I might be the only person on planet Earth that still has it that way from summer. I like Quinn Williams. I think he's going to be a really good player at the next level, and I still think he has an untapped ceiling for how dominant he was this year against high-level competition. I just look at the way the league is going and the way the kind of athlete you want at the next level and these guys that can really take over the game as interior pass rushers, and I just can't get over the ceiling that Ed Oliver has. So I would like to see the Jets go a little more unconventional or and go a different route if they really do feel the best player is an interior defensive lineman in that spot, and go with a guy like Oliver.
1: Connor, before we move on to Le'Veon Bell, one last draft question, and we're going to do a bunch of draft shows after free agency, so I'm really looking forward to getting more in-depth with you on this. Who are some of the guys that you like for the Jets if they were to trade down a little bit, and who are some guys you think they could pluck in the mid-to-late rounds that would be good additions?
0: Yeah, it's interesting because it's like, where do you go? If you go only to 10 where the Broncos pick, you're in a sweet spot because you could probably get Cleveland Farrell or Jonah Williams anyway. They're guys, I was just talking about at three, and it's like, all right, we'll rock and roll with that. But if you go further, say Washington at 15, or even beyond that, it gets really interesting because then you do get into the territory of maybe a Yodney from West Virginia, somebody that could be a very, very good guard and also play tackle long-term. I still really like Noah Fan out of Iowa, the tight end that's an absolute mismatch weapon. He's not just your classic tight end. If you have him in Herndon, I mean, in a two-tight end set, that's absolutely beautiful because the guy, those guys can stretch the seam. They both are really nasty blockers, even though they're not your typically gigantic tight ends that play in line all the time. So, and I think Adam Gase would flourish with those kind of players. I love Byron Murphy, the corner out of Washington. I'm curious to see what Greg asked out of his corners. If he wants his guys to play in man coverage, but off man, Byron Murphy can do that. I mean, he's got the hips. He's got great feet. He can really turn and run and he's he's nasty coming downhill or over the top to attack the football so i I like byron murphy in that spot i mean how far is devin white gonna fall because he plays linebacker i I don't know but it's one of those names that i would not rule out and i I just think this is a team that really needs to go attack the offensive line position and i don't necessarily love the top end top 10 projected picks in this class at that whether it is like I said, Jawan Taylor has found his way into that conversation. Jordan Williams is a nice player, but I look at Kajas. Maybe Cody Ford from Oklahoma will probably play guard at the next level. There's a lot to like about him And the end of round one there. Andre Dillard, you know, I think his hype has gotten a little out of control. I really like him as a top 50 player, not as a top 30 player, so I'm fascinated to see where he comes off the board. But the biggest thing here, Scott, is if the Jets can move back and get that second-round pick back in the top 50, it really increases what they can do and how they can round out these holes, especially all the starting holes that they do have.
1: Looking forward to really delving into this stuff with you on some future draft shows because just hearing you talk about that stuff was really getting me excited for the NFL draft. But before the draft comes up, free agency does. And so let's talk about arguably the biggest prize in free agency, and that's Le'Veon Bell. We expect the Jets to have a good deal of interest. What do you think, Connor? Do you think they're going to be at the front of the line for him?
0: Yes. I mean, they'd be foolish to not. it not be interested. And here's my explanation for Le'Veon Bell. It's really interesting because normally, as one of my draft philosophies is, you don't pay running backs. You just simply don't do it. Now, when the Rams paid Todd Gurley, I understood the situation. We'll see what the Cowboys do long term with Ezekiel Elliott. That's going to be really interesting. When it comes down to it, you rarely pay running backs top tier money. Now, And Le'Veon Bell has a lot of mileage on him. Thank God he just took a season off. That makes it a little easier to stomach. But the Jets are actually in a very unique situation. Number one, Le'Veon has kind of played his market wrong. I don't think he's going to get that $14, 15000000 million per year for over three to four guaranteed years that he expected. I think this will look more like a $12.5 million kind of per year deal, and the guarantees will be maybe in the first two and a half years. They're not going to go that far down the road. Now, getting back to why this situation is unique for the Jets, yes, of course with Le'Veon, there are long-term injury concerns, there are long-term breaking down concerns, and there has even been attitude concerns at times after a payday. But Sam Darnold needs an elite pass-catching kind of running back. Le'Veon Bell is that. He's an 80-catches-per-year kind of guy. Adam Gase would love that. And when you look at it, the Jets have over $100 million in cap space where who are they paying in these next two years, Scott? I mean, who are they paying in these next two years? I don't. It's at the point where by the time Levion's guaranteed money is up, it will not matter. It will not be one of the situations where you ever look back and say, well, if the Jets didn't pay Le'Veon, we wouldn't have lost that player. It's impossible to have that situation come up. So this is something where you would call it, oh, it's a risky signing because we've seen the failure rate of running back at this stage be so high. But there's actually really no risk because of the Jets' interesting financial situation.
1: Yeah, I'm 100% with you. And like you said, the receiving ability is a big part of this equation because maybe I'm crazy here, but to me, Le'Veon Bell is probably the best combination back. And I don't mean necessarily best running back. I mean, if you put everything together in terms of blocking, receiving, and rushing, probably the best overall package since Marshall Falk.
0: I was going to say, Marshall Falk. I mean, I know they're very different players style wise, but when you talk about the ability to be used in the run and pass game, and we saw it this year with Saquon Barkley on the New York Giants. The Giants were not a good football team this year, but Saquon is that kind of player. The Jets need to get their rookie quarterback that kind of player. I think it's nice to have Elijah McGuire as a, you know, in a reserve role. I would still go out and I would pay Le'Veon Bell. I would draft a running back in maybe the fourth or fifth round, especially in this class. And then have Elijah McGuire on the roster, and we'll see what happens with Isaiah Crowell. And that's something you could feel good about. For, also, you need guys that can create yards after contact. And we've seen Le'Veon Bell do that in the past. And It's, just, it's going to be a big part of this offense with Sam Darnold, and that's why he would be a really, really good addition for at least the next two years while Darnold gets his development underway.
1: Anybody you think would be a good ad in the trade market?
0: At the running back position, or just in general,
1: in general, to help the offense along the lines of what you're saying with Bell, maybe an Antonio Brown, AJ Green, somebody like that.
0: Yeah, it's fascinating because you look at Brown, and it's just it's a no can do. It's you know you worry about creating this toxic relationship with Adam Gase, with Sam Darnold, with everyone, the New York media, with Antonio Brown, the fact that he's going to want money when he gets here. I think Antonio Brown has absolutely plummeted his value. I don't even know if he brings back a first-round pick from anyone anymore, which if you're a Jets fan, you're sitting there and you go, why don't you take that risk? But you just can't take the chance of creating a toxic environment. A.J. Green is interesting to me because if Cincinnati doesn't really want a lot for him, they just want his money off the books, then I would do it. But he now has significant injury risk, and he also has significant age risk. I mean, he's somebody that is officially at that 30 wall, and it's tough to really go forward with him unless you're getting him for maybe like a second-round pick, which you would have to get back or use a future one anyway. But I would like to take a look at him. I think the guy, for me, they'd be absolutely insane to do this, but if they blow things up and start over, would be Julio Jones in Atlanta. That's somebody where you go out and you give up a future first-round pick or whatever you can because he's shown no signs of breaking down. I believe he's 29 years old, great for the locker room, an absolutely great all-around person, hard worker. With Sam Darnold, that's shooting for the moon here. But if if you're talking about going in on a veteran superstar receiver, uh, that would be the guy for me.
1: Let's talk a little bit about uniforms, Connor. I know this has nothing to do with on the field, but there's been a ton of talk about it. Do you have any thoughts?
0: Uh, my thoughts are that it's wild to watch the internet freak out over fake releases. I just, I, <laughs> not like like it's insane as people believe these leaks or get worried about these leaks. Uh, I have no idea what's going to happen with these uniforms. I'm as fascinated as anyone else. I think it was a good time for a rebrand. I really do. I just hope that they do it right. you you got to nail it because uh, you, you don't do this every year. I mean, if you're the Jets, you really never do this. So do it right, hopefully. I, the one thing I would like to see is an alternate. I, I think some teams' alternates out there are their best uniforms. I know the Rams wear the throwbacks. The Niners have a nice alternate. It, it would be really good to see the Jets have three different uniforms available in their arsenal.
1: With the NFL Draft approaching, you absolutely have to be paying attention to what this guy is doing because he has some of the best draft coverage out there, both with the Draft Network, with Bleacher Report, and even here at Turn on the Jets Digital with Stick to the Jets, where we're going to be hearing a lot of his thoughts. And I'm really looking forward to recording with him and doing some stuff with prospect profiles to get everybody ready for the NFL Draft. Connor Rogers, thanks so much for coming on. For anybody who isn't following you, and I can't imagine who that would be, go ahead and let them know how they can do that.
0: Yeah, at Connor J. Rogers on Twitter and obviously with Bleacher Report, uh, Stick to Football Podcast and Stick to the Jets Podcast. I mean, we'll be covering, we'll do, we never stop at Stick to Football. I'll tell you that much. Whether it's college football, whether it's the NFL, the NFL draft, postseason, free agency, it, it's going to be a really fun offseason these next couple months.
1: Going to be chaotic in draft circles and jet circles too. Let's just hope that they get it right because they desperately need to. Thanks again, Connor.
3: Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint
1: Next up on the roundtable, one of my favorite writers over at TurnOnTheJets.com, and he also runs the Turn on the Jets Instagram page at TurnOnTheJets underscore IG, Mr. Greg Armstrong. Greg, what's going on, buddy?
4: Scott, what's going on, my man? It's always uh, it's always fun to take a break from watching Zion and, and RJ <laughs> just wreck teams in college basketball to talk some Jets
1: Yeah, man, I thought for a while that my Brooklyn Nets were going to have a shot at Zion in the draft, but it looks like that ship has sailed, so now we're back to seeing if the Knicks are going to end up getting him. It's really a shame what happened to him with the injury. I hope he recovers well and becomes a great NBA player and dominates for years to come. Kind of the way that you hope... That some of the players on the Jets, like Sam Darnold, will turn into dominating forces. But if they're going to do that, they're going to need some help. And that's why you're here on this offseason roundtable, Greg, to talk about what you think the Jets should do to get Sam Darnold, Jamal Adams, and the players like that some help and push them forward into the future. Let's start with the guys that are going to be making those decisions, Mike Mcagnan and Adam Gase. Mike McKagnon sticks around. Adam Gase comes in brand new, straight off his stint in Miami. What are your thoughts on McKagnon sticking around and Adam Gase getting hired as the new head coach?
4: We'll start with McKagnon. I mean, the news of him staying wasn't really surprising. But, like, the thing with McKagnon is, like, I guess I can understand wanting to have some continuity and not having the GM and the head coach staggered. But at this point, it's year four. It's going into year five. Like, how many rebuilds do we have to have with this team? When you see a team like the Indianapolis Colts go from, you know, a top ten pick, top five pick before they trade it out, to being in the playoffs in one season. Like, if you're telling me that rebuilds take time, okay, I get it. But when there's a couple teams in the league that show you that rebuilds don't take, you know, three, four, five years, like, I, I honestly don't understand your argument. He's drafted fringe players. Like, yes, he got Sam Darnold. Okay, cool. He got Jamal Adams. Okay, cool. Like, those are two of my favorite players. Those are two, you know, potentially franchise-changing ch- players. But when you look at the rest of the roster, and I mean we were talking about it pre- uh, before we started recording, but you look at the rest of the roster, and a lot of these guys are inflated just because we watch them all the time. And they're not players that would probably get starts on good playoff NFL teams. Um, guys like Jordan Jenkins. I mean, Brandon Shell is a good starter, but like how many other teams are going to are gonna pick him up? Uh, Brandon Copeland, for example. It doesn't equate to wins. Like I get it. You have Darnold this year was just about Sam. And we saw some things in Sam that are very encouraging moving forward. But you can tell the pieces aren't around him. And I just – I don't have any trust in McKay and – from what he's done before. I just I can't put my faith in the guy who who just hasn't done that up to this point.
1: So you're saying that somebody that says the Jets shouldn't make a move at running back because they have Elijah Maguire is overvaluing the talent on the roster.
4: <laughs> oh buddy. Oh buddy. Yeah. I mean like the only reason that McGuire and, and guys like Trenton Cannon are, are getting in, you know, DeAndre or Deontay Burnett are getting these starts and these reps for this team is because of the lack of depth, and that falls on the GM. I mean, you can see McGuire, you know, oh, it's cool. McGuire makes some flash plays. Elijah McGuire is the third-string running back and is barely seeing any time on a lot of NFL rosters. And the Cannon might not even make some of these NFL rosters. So it, it, when you look at it in a vacuum, yeah, it's cool. These young guys are getting reps, and you can see that, uh, you know, maybe they could be contributors on this team. But when you look at it in the grand scheme of things, a lot of these guys are – like we were talking about, just another guy. Now, McCadden has, you know, it looks like he's hit on Herndon. I think Herndon's going to be a, a really good tight end, a tight end one for this team, uh, barring any suspension that he gets from the league for his incidents. Um, and obviously he got Sam. But when you can't, if we're putting all this stock into his hits, or quote-unquote hits, since it's it's a little early, you have to do the same for his misses. You can't put way more stock in his hits and put way less in his misses. And that's the kind of dynamic that I can't stand when it comes to Jet fans talking about McKagan. It's, oh, well, look at her and look at her and It erases, you know, four of these draft picks. And it's like, well, that's really not how this works.
1: What about Gase? What do you think there?
4: I initially hated the hire. I, I wanted Matt Rule um, or Cliff Kingsbury or just somebody. I wanted someone new. I wanted them to, to try to make a home run splash with this head coaching hire. I mean, what do you have to lose? You, you, you haven't been good in, you know, eight, nine years. You finally have a a rookie QB who looks like a, it looks like he's going to be a a damn star. And why not just try to score a bunch of points in this first year, get some, get Sam some weapons and have a guy like Kingsbury running your offense or Matt rule, who we saw turn around a Baylor program that was, you know, absolutely atrocious football team and had all the off field stuff with, uh, with their their old coach and you know with gase it was like okay i guess i mean he we saw what he did in miami you know it's been talked about a lot but when you see guys fail you want to see them uh take a little time off and kind of reevaluate and you know the name that gets brought up is eric mangini where he got fired from the jets job and immediately went to the browns and did not produce at all and i can kind of see that with gase too um now, you could tell you could say that the Dolphins were talent depleted, but at the end of the season last year, I mean he's bas it was basically him against the entire organization. And I I don't know all the facts that happened there. I don't know the specifics of everything. There's a lot of people that probably know more than I do about those specifics. But if if from what I've seen, that's kind of not really a guy that I want around such a young team that the Jets have. Um but I do like, you know, Joe Bluett's pointed it out that some of his scheme things are good. So, like, strictly from, like, a on-the-field standpoint, I think it'll be good. I think it'll be good for Donald. And the thing with Sam was, if Sam signed off on it, and I get it, it's it's kind of – it's not that big of a thing because it's, it's not going to be like Sam's going to go against a head coaching hire. But for Sam to say that he, like, he talked to Gase and he likes what he brings to the table and whatnot, like, then it's something I can kind of get behind a little bit more. But to say that I'm, you know – Ecstatic about this Gase hire? No, I mean, as Jet fans, we've been losing for so long. I'm sick of the losing, as I'm sure everyone else is. But with Gase, you know, I'm just hoping to see him put it together with some with some wins. And another another topic that's kind of been talked about since he's been hired is, well, what what's the standard that we should hold him to? And maybe I'm out of line. I don't really know. I. I think if you if you're going up in the AFC East and you've been in this division for a couple of years now, you should know how to beat your opponents. And for Gates, is it's not a head, it's not a first time NFL head coach like Rule or Kingsbury. He's been in the league, and I think it's I think five going into and Gates being in the division for it, his fourth or I think you you need to go eight and eight or at least nine and seven in – You know, maybe be a playoff team, maybe be just on the outside looking in. You have all this cap space, you have this high draft deck. There's no reason why you shouldn't be able to build a team to make the playoffs.
0: This is the Overtime Podcast
1: Network. So let's talk about going about building that team, and we'll start with free agency because that comes up first. We'll save Le'Veon Bell for later. Besides Le'Veon Bell, what do you think they should do in free agency?
4: Well, if you if you follow me on on Twitter, you see I'm uh, I'm firmly in the Trey Flowers camp. I I think he's gonna probably gonna be one of the best defenders in at a position of need for the Jets that actually hits free agency. I know Demarcus Lawrence, the Demarcus Lawrence's, the D Fords, uh, the Frank Clark's of the world, are, are probably gonna get franchise tags. So it's it's yeah, it looks good to have all this cap space and all these guys potentially becoming free agents, but. We see it all the time. These these good players usually don't hit free agency, and I think Trey Flowers is kind of going to be an exception with the way that Belichick goes about uh, keeping people on his on his roster and not overpaying. But from what I've seen from Flowers is he's played all over the line. They they Belichick's put him at a you know a zero tech, a three tech, a five tech. Uh, He's really good on twists. Uh, He can win one on one battles against players. He's very disciplined. Um, I know I was watching some of the Texans tape, and he did a good job of, you know, not getting fooled by Watson on so on some play action bootlegs and whatnot. And he's he's fairly good in the run game. So I think he's a good uh, he's a good fit. Uh they need to show up the offensive line. I know Brown from the Patriots, a little older, but he's he's a massive human being. And uh Matt Paradis from from Denver is a guy that people are talking about, but he's coming off of a huge injury. And so I like mainly I just want to see them you have to sign an edge rusher. That's that's gotta be at the top at the top of your list. But you also have to go out and get some cornerbacks too. Uh I know Bryce Callahan's been been talked about a little bit, but he's coming off of an injury. And with all this cast base, you just you have to make moves that are going to get you like they have to have a high return. You can't be going into frequency and getting these older guys who are gonna give you one to two years of return when you have Sam Darnold on on the rookie contract. So I, I want to see them go after younger guys, uh, sure up that offensive line, maybe sign an edge rusher. If you have to overpay for Dante Fowler, I mean, I, I'm not a big fan of Fowler's game, but that's the way that the market is. I mean, a lot of edge rushers are not going to hit free agency. So if you have to pay overpay for Dante Fowler, okay, that's why you have all this cap space. Is it going to look good? I, I don't know, but you have to take some swings and and hope these guys turn out and you have to do your homework on these guys. But yeah, I'm huge on Trey Flowers. Sure of the offensive line. This wide receiver class from pre-agency isn't that great. Um I would take a guy like Humphreys from the Buccaneers. I know there's been some talk of Amandola, which Chef fans have just kind of written off. But if there's a guy that's gonna make a huge catch in a huge moment, like Amendola's at the top at near the top of my list for guys I want that ball thrown to. And the more good players you can sign for Sam the better. I like, I don't I don't think that gets hit home enough for Jet fans. It's, well, I don't like that guy. Well, he's a good player, and you need talent on this roster. This roster is talent depleted. You just need guys. You need good football players, and that's what the Jets need to do in free agency. They need to go sign these good, younger football players, not do what McKagan did in his first year as GM and signing these older guys and hoping for the best.
1: Let's talk a little bit about the trade market because you mentioned picking up guys – at the wide receiver position like Humphreys. But he's going to have a lot of suitors. So the Jets may not have an opportunity to get him. We know that Antonio Brown and A.J. Green may be available. There are some other players that could potentially open up at other spots. Anybody you like on the trade market? Any options there that you would explore?
4: I mean, if you can get a talent like Antonio Brown, you go get Antonio Brown. I know we've seen a lot of uh, a wide range of what he can potentially land in a trade. If you can get a top two or three receiver in the league right now, you go and get him for your rookie quarterback. I don't care about that he's a diva. All wide receivers are divas. I don't care about the, the locker room stuff. The Jets had San Antonio Holmes on their roster and made it to an AFC championship game. Like, you figure all that stuff out later. If this culture, quote-unquote, this culture change that you've been bragging about is legit, then having a guy like Antonio Brown won't disrupt the locker room as as much as Jet fans think they will, and AJ Green, I don't know. I don't. I haven't seen anything that that leads to leads me to believe that his trade market is is heating up. But it's. I mean, Antonio Brown is the biggest name on the trade block right now by far. Uh, if you can go get a guy like him, you a hundred percent do it.
1: Let's talk about the big ticket item now, and that's Le'Veon Bell. What do you think? Back up the truck.
4: I'm all for paying Le'Veon Bell and you can give him a hell of a lot of money. Uh, I don't think you need to back up the truck for him. I know, um, what was it, Albert Breer said on, on Ryan Rossillo's podcast that he doesn't think that Bell is going to get this monster lucrative contract in free agency. Now, if you can, you structure that deal to where you give him a ton of money up front in the first one or two years of that deal. And then on the back end, you know, you you're kind of playing with house money with him. I think he he just wants his money obviously and that's fine. But if you can if you can back up the truck for him, I I honestly wouldn't. But with a with a, a talent like that and a player like him, you you got to find a way to get him in the building and 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 get him on your roster.
1: Let's talk now about the draft. Greg, I know that you watch college football very intently all season, so you've got a lot of thoughts. Tell me what you think they should do at number three if they stay there, if they trade back, and also are there guys in the mid and late rounds that you like?
4: So I've been going back and forth on this a lot. Ideally, I would like them to trade out only because I want to see them uh, recoup some of the draft capital that they lost. They lost in the Darnold deal. Um, But if you stay at three, a guy like Jonah Williams is in contention, uh, the tackle from, from Alabama. You maybe get an edge rusher. I don't think Bosa is going to be there at three unless something miraculous happens. But uh, I think you kind of got to – I don't think you go best player available. But you want to look at a guy like Cleveland Farrell who, you know, doesn't have the allure that a Josh Allen does from Kentucky. But he's a high-floor player, and he's a guy that, you know, is probably going to get you 10, 11 sacks in the season. But it's not going to be flashy. Um, if you trade down, I'd I i would not be upset if they took a corner. Maybe Byron Murphy out of Washington, uh, Greedy Williams out of LSU. I like DeAndre Baker. I'm a big fan of of press man uh corners, and I know Greg Williams likes to to draw up a lot of these blitzes and kind of have his guys playing man. I would be okay if they traded back, they got some extra picks and they took a corner uh in the back half of the first round. But a lot of what they're gonna do is kind of dependent on how hot high- These quarterbacks get when we uh, get closer to the draft because if they can, if if a quarterback gets hot and the team wants to trade up with them, I think you have you you have to do it and you have to get some of that draft capital back.
1: Let's talk a little bit now about uniforms. What do you think, Greg? What do you think they should do in terms of uniforms? What color scheme would you prefer? And do you think that ultimately they're going to get this thing right and please the fans?
4: I think the uniforms, the whole thing is getting kind of overblown. I personally don't think the Jets' uniforms are all that bad right now. Um, I would be fine with some minor tweaks. Uh, I'm not really good at like aesthetics and whatnot, uh, off the top of my head. I just kind of like what I see in some things, but I mean, I don't want a major overhaul of these uniforms. Cause I think ma- mostly those just go really, really bad, but I mean, some minor tweaks to these uniforms would be perfectly okay with me. I, I honestly don't see a reason they need to change these uniforms at all. Um, stay far away from any black alternate uniforms, uh, please. I, I don't think we need those anymore. They were cool in like the early two thousands. I don't think we need that in 2019. Um, but yeah, just, just some minor tweaks and and I'll be happy. I think, I think they're going to get it right. I think Nike's going to do a good job. They said this is something that they, they haven't done before. So I'm kind of excited to see actually what happens, but, uh, yeah, just, just some minor tweaks for me.
1: He runs the Jets' Instagram page at TurnOnTheJets underscore IG. He does a great job there and writes some tremendous columns over at TurnOnTheJets.com. Mr. Greg Armstrong. Greg, thanks so much for hopping on the roundtable. Anything you want people to know about what we've got cooking over at Instagram? Anything you're doing on Twitter?
4: Yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter at GregArmstrong underscore. Um, the Instagram, it's kind of a, a dull period in the NFL right now, so it's it's been a little bit slow, but We've got, so we've got some cool things cooking up for when the offseason starts heating back up. You can go follow that uh, at Turn on the Jets underscore IG. And uh, me and Clayton Smarslock, who also writes for Turn on the Jets, uh, we have our own podcast, a college football NFL draft podcast uh, that we do. We're getting back into weekly. We took a little bit of a, a hiatus on it. But, uh, yeah, every week we do that. I post the links on my Twitter page. So you guys can uh, you can check that out as well.
1: You heard the man. Go check out Greg and Clayton's college football podcast right now. All the links are up at Greg's Twitter, at GregArmstrong underscore. It's a great show. I listen all the time myself, and I think I tend to be on the same page with Clayton more than I am with Greg, especially when it comes to Quinn and Williams. I think Clayton and I are going to die on the Quinton Williams hill together, but some of the stuff that Greg's been talking about on the podcast and even posting on his Twitter about potential mid-round prospects is well worth checking out, too, because Clayton and Greg... Watch this stuff all year long, and they study the tape all year long. So really informed opinions there. And if you want to learn about some guys that the Jets could be looking to target in the draft in April, go ahead and subscribe to their podcast. Again, the links are all up at Greg's Twitter, at GregArmstrong underscore. Thanks to Connor and Greg for coming on the roundtable, and thank you for listening. Don't forget, for all the latest and greatest in New York Jets content and podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.